Okay, Shalom Aleichem, welcome back. I hope everyone had a nice Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot. It was a Gvaldik, being as man, it was enjoyable. Let's get back into the Sugya. Where, let's not forget, we're in the middle of a Mishnah. The Mishnah talks about different types of food that you eat. Tamai, Maisa Rishon, Shana, Chumasai, Maisa Sheni, Hektish, Niftul. All these, all these different types of food, which Rashi says are Dimit Isar. So there, the Halacha is Mizam Nalehim. Whereas when it comes to the second part of this Baba the Mishnah that says Tevel or Maiserishan Shalad Shumasal Maisasheni Vishtish Niftu, then all there, according to the Mishnah, is Ain Mazamnin Alav. Nalakh is Ain Mazamnin Alav. So why is it Ain Mazamnin Alav? Because the Machalas Asuras, the food that it's also to eat, it's Tevel. Right, you didn't separate truma. You have, you have a mamish table in front of you. Chayv misa b'day shamayim for eating it. So there, the din of the Mishnah is ein mezamnin alav. Now, if I were to ask you, do you make a bracha on tevel? That's a very interesting shaila, right? Samitzad echad. You know, you would think the Mishnah says ein mezamnin alav. So what's the problem? The problem is you don't make a zimun. But what about a bracha? Maybe I could hear a bracha, yeah. And there maybe there's a swara. What's the swara? The swara maybe would be that the whole concept of a bracha is a birchasanah, a birchasanah. The fact that I got a pleasure from it, I got a no from it, so that would lead me to think that why not make a bracha, for sure. So, and the mission is medirik like that. You ate iser, eat mazamnin. For whatever reason, the concept of zimun, you can't have a kviyas on iser, you can't have an achil ka'achas on iser. But maybe a bracha, the fact that I got hanah from such a thing would lead me to believe that I could, I would still, yes, have to make a bracha. So now, that being the case, let's, let's, let's see if that's true. The Rishenim, the Peskim, the Achreinim. So I brought for you here a Rambam. The Rambam is in Hilchos, Brachos, Perakala, Falachatas, Yutes. The Rambam says, also If a person eats something which is forbidden to eat, whether he ate it on purpose or he ate it by accident, he doesn't make a bracha on it, not when he, before, initially before he eats it, and not after the fact. He doesn't make a bracha achreina. Now, avada, the bracha rishena, bishkaga, that, that can't be. The Ramam can't be talking about a case, because if you know that it's asar, and you didn't eat it yet, so that can't be bishegeg. So bishkaga can only be going on the bracha achreina, but either way, you see clearly that the Rambam's of the opinion that you don't make a bracha, not a bracha rishen, not a bracha achrena, on achilas iser, whether it happened on purpose, whether it happened by mistake. Ketzad. So what's our case? Harisha achel tevel shel divrehim. You ate tevel midirabonon. Meaning you say midirabonon, I said this food's kosher. But Chazal answered it. Harisha achel meiserishen shedonon chumasa. You ate meiserishen that you didn't take truma from. So therefore, it's still tevel. And therefore they still have the status of Maishashini, they still have the status of Hektish. The din is, according to the Rambam, in a Mavorich. And that goes without saying, claims the Rambam, if you eat meat which wasn't shechted, or an meat from an animal that was going to die within the next year, if you eat idolatrous wine, wine that was used for libations or for Avodazoro, that you don't make a bracha. So the Ramam comes out clear, not like our svara, our svara being that what? That since you're getting hanaf from it, why wouldn't you make a bracha? And against the dictu question of Mishnah, the Mishnah says, in mezamnin. But the implication is, it's in mevarachin. Yeah, mevarachin. It's in mezamnin, yeah, mevarachin. The Ramam says no. And he Mamish quotes cases in our Mishnah. Right? Right? Imam is quoting cases in our Mishnah, and he's saying, nonetheless, you don't make a bracha. Pelaplayim shita sarambam. An avada that's going to need understanding. The Ravid disagrees. The Ravid there, on that Rambam, writes, Kosova Ravid, the Rambam made a tremendous mistake. It doesn't say that you don't make a bracha, rather it says you don't make a, a zimun. Why? Why would you make a zimun, but you just make a bracha? You don't have a fixed meal on something which is asar. That's not called being fixed. It's like eating fruit, which even though you're eating and you're getting sustenance from it, you can't call it that you have a kviyas. You don't have established a fixed meal through. But when it comes to a bracha that you make before and afterwards, 
Why wouldn't you make a bracha in as much as you got Hana? So this means we have a fundamental mochlekes here between the Rambam and the Raivid, whether or not you make a bracha, both a bracha Rishayin and a bracha Achreina, on Machalas Asurus. According to the Rambam, no, we're not sure why not. And according to the Raivid, it's Pashat. First is Pashat, means not the Diyak and the Mishnah. And secondly, it's Pashat the Svara, since you got Hana. So it comes along the Kesef Mishnah, and he wants to go and explain the Shita Sarambam. So he says as follows, The reasoning of the Raivid is because it's taught in the Mishnah, our parak, Three people eat together, they have to make a zimun. The din from all these Dvarim HaSurim is you don't make a zimun alayhim. And the application is to the Raivid, the whole Chiddush here is that you don't make a zimun on them. But the Vada you make a bracha. Says the Kesem Mishnah, I don't know why this claim is so strong to push aside the stance of the Rambam. That Tanya Bepenikol Shol, it's a Gemara, a Braisa, in the eighth parak of Chulin, a parak Kamit Achala Yushalmi, and the first parak of Chala in the Yushalmi, Tanya Matzah Gzula, also the Vodachalel. If you have matzah gzula, you have matzah that was stolen. The matzah was stolen, so you also make a bracha on it. Amir Beishia, and Beishia explains, that a person who makes a bracha on, on stolen objects is a niyitz Hashem, he's angering God. That's a din regarding the zikin. But we see there's a concept, that a person who makes a bracha on Something which is stolen angers Hashem. So it seems like it's a puzzle, because the Gemara is using that you don't make brachos on stolen objects. That something which is stolen, you don't make a bracha on. So it says the Kesef Mishnah, for the same price, who cares if it's stolen, who cares if it's aser? Avada utilizing something which is, which is also to utilize, and to make a bracha on that, that's called a niyutz. That's, that's upsetting. Hashem doesn't, Hashem doesn't want that. And therefore, claims the Kesem Mishnah, that's the stance of the Rambam. So very good, you the Rambam had a diuk, in Mezamnin. But that doesn't mean Ein Mevarchin. The reason it's Ein Mevarchin is something totally different. And the reason it's Ein Mevarchin is because it's Aser. And to make a bracha on something which is Aser, that bothers Hashem. So now, what's, what's the what's the Nekudus HaMachlikas here? And what are they arguing about? The Rambam, yes. No, I'm sorry, don't make a bracha, it angers Hashem, the Ravid. At the end of the day, you got Hanah. They're not talking to each other. So in order to flush out what this Nekodos and Achlokos, I brought for you here a Nesivas. In order to understand the Nesivas, I first brought you a Shulchan Aruch. The Nesivas is talking about the Shulchan Aruch. It's a famous, famous Nesivas. It might be the most famous Nesivas in the whole Sefer. So let's, uh, let's see it. Shulchan Aruch says as follows. It's talking about a case where you sell something which is also to eat. Is that called a Mekach Right? We know that if you sell something, if I sell you, you know, I sell you a dog and it ends up being a cat with a collar, you know, so then obviously that's, you didn't get the dog. It's a faulty sale. And therefore, the person gets their camouflaged cat back, the seller gets his camouflaged cat back, and the purchaser gets his money back. Now, what happens if you sell Machalus Asurus? So says the Shukhanarach as follows. Let's say we're talking about you sold something to your friend. You own a supermarket, you sell your friend something which is also to eat midrabanan. So now, what's the case here? If the fruit's still around, yeah, you have the fruit still, you didn't eat the fruit. So you can return the fruit, you the purchaser can return the fruit which is also to eat midrabanan. And he can get his money back. But what happens if he already ate the fruit? Now granted they were Aser, but he ate them. He didn't know. So the din is, he ate them, and the Meichel doesn't have to give back his money. He doesn't have to give back his money. Now the question is, why is that not a Mekach The same way that the, the, the Shukhan Aruch said, that if they're still kayim, it's a mekach This is not what I bought. I bought fruit which is permitted for me to eat. And therefore, this fruit is forbidden for me to eat. I want my money back. There, the Shachanarach agreed to get money back. So who cares if I ate them already? I ate them, so what? 
I ate it, but you, you didn't give me that which I, which I wanted to buy. You gave me something different. That vaita should be a mekach teis. So here, the, the, the Sivas and Mishpot comes in with a tremendous yesaid. Yeah? So he says as follows. Seemingly, the halacha of the Shekhan is not understandable. There came into a mekach bottle that since the whole thing is not good from the onset because I bought kosher food and he sold me also food, have a kamazik. So fine, you want to tell you that I'm mazik, I damaged your produce. Or I ate your food without purchasing it. But why do I have to pay for kosher food? Let's not forget, right? Very good, I ate your apples. So now, give me my money back. I don't have to give back any of the money. So why not? What's the value of kosher apples? And what's the value of apples that are also made in so Avanda, maybe there's still use for the, the apples which are also made Rabbanon. You know, you can get Hanal from them, whatever it is, fine. You can sell them to a goy. But, but it's not the same value as, as, kosher, as kosher apples. So how come it's even Stephen? You don't have to give back anything. It says in the Sivas, Ve'efshel, and possible, Da'af de'bi'isulei teira, that even though when it comes to biblical prohibitions, afil oichlen b'shegeg, if you eat them by accident, it necessitates an atonement and repentance in order to protect you from Yisurin, from Hashem taking out his kapara. Nonetheless, when it comes to an Isid kapara, there's no need for kapara. And it's as if you didn't transgress the prohibition. Now this is wild. This is wild. That means the Nasivas is of the opinion that when it comes to Isurei Deraisa, Beshoigig, you did an Isser. And therefore you have to do Tshuva, you need Kapara, etc. But an Isser Derabon Beshoigig, it's Ke'ilu Le'avadami. It's as if you didn't transgress Bechlal, a prohibition. What in the world? Why would that be? Why in the world would it be that just because it's also Midrabonan, now that I transgressed, it's as if I didn't do anything. But I've had it. I, I ate the food, which is awesome. Why would that be? What's the beer in such a thing? So the Meshachachma, the Meshachachma, in Pasha Shriftim, goes ahead and he explains the, the concept here, this dichotomy. And he says, When it comes to Dini Daraisa, that which the Torah said is Aser, inherently is Aser. Right? You have basal chazir, you have bacon. So the Torah said bacon is also. No matter what you do, you ate it by accident, you ate it on purpose, chasr shalom, right? So you ate bacon. The Torah said that's an isra. You can't eat bacon. And the person who went ahead and ate it, irrelevant, was on purpose or by mistake, it's like he became sick. And that bacon itself goes ahead and is matami the nefesh. And granted, there are more severe and less severe Yisurim. The same way that we have certain foods which are bad for you and they have certain foods which can kill you. Right? And it's the, the, the poison that you take doesn't care whether or not you took the poison by accident or by mistake. In and of itself is a poison. It inherently is bad. The object itself is damaging. But when it comes to Yisurim, there are Right? The object itself isn't bad. Something which is demai, right? The Torah says it's mutter to eat. It's 100% kosher in the eyes of the Torah. Elamai Chazal said you can't eat it. So mitzad the demai itself, there's no issue here. What's the problem? The problem is you didn't listen to Chazal. You weren't a good boy. You didn't listen. And since you didn't listen, that's the problem with Yisuri Derabonon. And therefore, Therefore, when it comes to Dine Derabanan, Sanavada, Dine Derabanan, there's no such thing called a Chamor, Dine Derabanan, or a Kal Dine Derabanan. Well, every Dine Derabanan is exactly the same, because every Dine Derabanan is a Din to listen to Chazal. You didn't listen, so you're rebelling against Chazal. So it comes along with the Meshachachman and wants to explain, that's Pshat in the Sivas. That when it comes to an Isidaraisa, so then there's degradations of how severe the Isidaraisa is. The same way in the Mashal, there's a poison. Some poisons damage and some poisons kill. And that's irrelevant whether you did it, but Shaykh Gibb amazing. But when it comes to rebelling, 
So if I purposely do an Isra Rabbanan, Savada, that's there's not a that is rebellion, that's the definition of rebellion. I'm, I'm purposely not listening to Chazal. But if I do an action which Chazal told me not to do, but I didn't know that they told me not to, says the Meshachachman, it's called, not called rebellion. Rebellion doesn't mean to make a mistake. Rebellion means that I know they don't want this and I'm doing it anyway. So when I know they don't want this, I'm doing it anyway, then you're, then you're, a, rebel, you're, you're, you're a rebel. But to mistakenly go against what they told me to do, I didn't rebel against them, I just didn't know. And the prohibition of Nisidur is to rebel. Therefore, claims the Meshachachma to transgress Nisidur by accident isn't called like you transgressed. Nemela, when it comes to the case of the Shulchan Aruch, you ate the fruit that was Asr. So when you ate the fruit that was Asr, you didn't do anything wrong. So that of the sale is a good sale. Why? Because you ate fruit that there was no prohibition. You're eating it. So you don't get any of your money back, even though they were Asr. Masha Inkain, if the fruit was still around, and now you know they're Asr, if you're going to go and eat that, then that's amazed. I, that's amazed. That's amazed. So then, if you eat that, you're rebelling. So now you're going to have to eat it anymore. There, the leniency and the nasiva doesn't apply. And therefore, you get your money back. That's pshat in the distinction between the nature of Yisur Darabonon and Shoyed Yisur Daraisa, whereas Yisur Daraisa and Yisur Chefza, the object itself is viewed as prohibited, is irrelevant of your intent. Yisur Darabonon, the object itself is not prohibited. Chazal prohibited it. So the known nature of the Yisur is only to rebel against what Chazal said. Now, if that's true, let's try to understand now the Shittas Rambam. Does the Shittas Rambam agree with the Nasivas? So let's look back. The Rambam told me, right, in Perakalaf Alachiyutas, Nachos Prachos, Kulha Uichul Dabur Ha'asar. If a person eats something which is Asar, being Bezodun, being Bishkagal, whether it was on purpose or by mistake, he doesn't make a bracha, not a bracha rishena, not a bracha achrena. So now I want to know. He ate bread. He ate bread. This bread was tevel midrabanan. When he ate the bread, he did not know that it was tevel. Now he finished eating and someone told him, this is tevel midrabanan. Does he make... A birkas Amazon. Does he make birkas Amazon? According to the Rambam, the answer is absolutely not. He ate an iser bishogig. He didn't know it was tevel midrabanan. He did iser midrabanan bishogig. He doesn't make a bracha b'seif. Now, according to the Nesivas Mishpat, let's do the cheshbon. Would a person make a birkas Amazon in such circumstances? He ate tevel midrabanan. Did he know that it was aser? No, it was a shogig. So if it was a shegig and a derabanan, did he rebel? The answer is no. The language of the Nesivas is ki'ilalai So did he make a birkas amazon? Why in the world not? He ate food. He didn't rebel. He didn't transgress any yisur derabanan. Now he's full. It's ki'ilalai It's a bench. So this is, this is a massive machlekes. In the world of the Rambam, you can't bench if you ate a yisur derabanan, b'shegig. It comes in the Nesiva says, you could. So this, this is already, the, the Nesiva is not like the Rambam. Now, that being said, that, that needs an explanation. Why would the Rambam disagree with the Nesiva? The Chorin Nesiva is saying something richtig. When it comes to Yisuri Durabonan, the object itself is not Asr. So why is it Asr? Chazal said, don't do it. So now that Chazal said, don't do it, so now that changes the object to be Asr? No. How do we know? Because the Torah didn't say it was Asr. So the Torah said it's fine. So Chazal said, don't do it. So I have to listen to Chazal. Here, it's true. I, I, I didn't follow what Chazal asked for me, but I didn't know that I wasn't following what Chazal asked for me. So where's the Rambam coming from? So I brought from you here two different Rambams. The Rambam is the first one, the Sefer Amitzvah, Shurish Aleph. It says the Rambam, Kul Everything that the sages said for a person to do, and anything which they warned from not doing. It was already commanded from Meshrabinu and Harsinai. Shitsavenu Lakaimai. Because he commanded us to fulfill it. 
and that's what he said, based off the Torah that they commit, they will teach you, and on the adjudications that they'll tell you, that you should perform. Vizanu, and we were warned, and we were warned from transgressing anything that they established or they made preventative measures about. And that's what it says in the Chumash, don't veer from anything that they tell you, right or left. Meaning to say, according to the Rambam, every time Chazal establish a Dindra any time they make a takana, a gzeira, that was included within Teres Moshe, that was given on Har Sinai, and that's ex- being expressed in these two psukim. It's an unbelievable concept. Again, this reiterated in the Rambam and Hilchas Mamrim. Anyone who doesn't listen to the Haroa, the adjudication of the Beistin, the Sanhedrin, he transgresses you can't veer from the words left or right so this is wild that means that any time according to the Rambam a person transgresses an Isidur Rabbanon essentially they're also transgressing an Isidur Rabbanon Deraisa why? because since the Torah said you have to listen to the Rabbanon the Rabbanon said you have to do this so therefore, you not listening to the Rabbanon is tantamount to not listening to the Torah. So you performed an Isidur So now, if we're going to go back to our question, how could the Rambam disagree with the Nesivas HaMishpot? The answer is very simple. The Nesivas HaMishpot's understanding that Dinah Rabbanon stay on the, on, the, on the barometer of Dinah Rabbanon, that there's something separate for Deraisas. According to the Rambam, his understanding of every Dinah Rabbanon is really a Dinah Deraisa. Every Dinder Abundant is related to the Raisa. Either Mikoach or Sasor, or Al Piatur Sheyeluchal, right? But every time that you enter the realm of the Rabbanan, you're really entering a Deraisa. There's no distinction. And therefore, when Chazal said something is Asr, that means that it's Asr. Be'etzem. It becomes poison. Chazal can change the reality of the world. They said that this, this which was not poison up until now, we're actually telling you, we're defining this to be poison. And it becomes poison. Therefore, you take a b'shegeg, it's asa. Therefore, the Rambam says, you eat something which is asa, you don't make a bracha afterwards. Why not? Because it wasn't food, it was poison. That, Chazal, you're in the You're angering Hashem to do such a thing. So that's true. Now we have a Rambam, and the Rambam is coming along very stark with the opinion that there's no distinction between derises and derabonans regarding the severity of the prohibition. Agav. Agav. So what's the difference between derises and derabonans in the world of the Rambam? This is a big discussion. The Khanan has a whole kivitz on this. And Chelik Beis of Kivit Shiurim. But the most simple approach might be that there's no actually no distinction. The whole distinction is how do we treat it by Makam Safik? In a Safik, whether Safik Isra Daraisa, there we'd say the Khumran, Safik Isra Rabban the Kula. But regarding the Isra and Isra Vadai, it could be they have the same severity. It's a big discussion. It's beyond the scope of the Shia right now. But Stam, you should know. But once it's clear that the Rambam doesn't hold this famous principle of Nesivas, so now the question is, is there a mocker in the Rishenim that yes, hold? So now I brought for you here a Ra'ah. The Ra'ah says as follows. Ra'ah is talking about a person who has a hat to eat Machala Sasurus. How does it relate to them? So he says, it's not just this. Let's say you eat Machala Sasurus Beheter. Now what, how can you eat something which is also to eat in a permissible fashion? What happens if a guy is a chulash yesh He's in his life's in danger. But he has to eat this food now, or else his life's going to be more in danger. So in the varach al achilas ezeis, he shouldn't make a bracha on this on this eating. And so to the Rambam wrote. So we see clear the machalas asuras by a chulash yesh and if forbidden food, he's gonna, if he has to eat it or else he's going to die, he should eat it. But it doesn't make a bracha. Says the Ra'ah, Says the Ra'ah, and so too when it comes to Yisuri de Rabbanan, when he eats them b'isr. That's very interesting. Up until now, that means that we're talking about Yisuri de Raisa. And Yisuri de Raisa... You don't make a bracha on, even if you have to. The Torah is saying you should eat it. 
But since the Torah is saying to eat something on Sasa, you don't make a bracha. Now, Vadi is in the Rabbanon, and you eat it Iser, so then, there also you don't make a bracha. But what happens now if I have Yisuri the Rabbanon, which I have a heter to eat? What's that? Like a, that's again, a person who's more, mortally sick and he has to eat in order to get better. So if he eats the Suri Durabanan, or a non Jew cooks food for a Jew on Shabbos, normatively that's Asuri Durabanan, that's called a Mesa Shabbos. But even for a Chilashim Besakana, a guy who's so sick he can't be out and about, he has to be lying in bed. So there it's mutter for a non Jew to cook food for him if he needs to. So there, those foods where it's mutter to eat, Near says there are, then it seems that you for sure should make a blessing. Why? Since they allowed him to eat it, and from the Torah's perspective, he needs a bracha. Not to say that the Torah is machaya bracha rishina, bracha rishina is dinder aisa. It's a dinder but it means from the inayat Torah, it's mutter to eat it. Then avadim avarich, he has to eat it. Why? Because today it's mutter to eat. Meichel is a mutter. And the Meichel is mutter to eat. Midaraisa. Right? Elamai, what happened? The Goy cooked it for the, non, for, the, for the Jew on Shabbos. And that's not allowed. He did a Melechesesar. But Melechahutu, the guy behind. But this Melech was allowed to do for this guy. That's an unbelievable concept. So says there are. And Yisuri Deraisa, when you have a head to eat them, you don't make a bracha. But Yisuri Derabanan, when you have a head to eat them, you make a bracha. Umikan, and therefore we can derive from here the Misha Hutzich Vachal Be Yom Kippurim. If a person has to eat on Yom Kippur, Achal Bisha Achal the head to even though it's mutter from the eat, Ain Lo Levorich Le Lefon of Le Acherov, he shouldn't make a bracha. He shouldn't make a bracha. No, they came at the end also. Hula Echol, since today's also to eat, Have you look Hulu Malachos the Gami Hayyim like a Chazir of Nevela. All the machalos regarding this day are like Chazer and Avela, like Yisui Daraisa. So this is an unbelievable concept. The Torah asks it, even if, even if the Torah tells you you have to eat it, you don't make a bracha. Whereas, when the Chazal asks it, when Chazal asks it, if they tell you to eat it, you make a bracha. Why is that? So based off the Nesivus Mishpat, this is so Gishmak. This is Mamish Gishmak. Right? One way, what is the principle of the Nesivis and Mishpat according to the Meshach Halfman? The principle is that Yisrui Darabonan are also because you're making a midrid, you're rebelling against the Chazal. So since you're making a rebellion against Chazal, so therefore, if you do it b'mezid, that's when you're making a rebellion. But a Shegeg, by accident, you're not rebelling against anyone. That's not called a rebellion if you don't know you're rebelling. Where's another manifestation where I could do something that Chazal told me not to do and then not be considered a rebellion? The answer to that, says the Ra'ah, is when I have an exception. What's an exception? Really, you can't eat food that a non-Jew cooks for a Jew on Shabbos. That's called Maise Shabbos. That's Asr. We don't want that to be happening. But what happens when Chazal say, but for this guy you could? For this guy, you're allowed to cook. Now that I cook for him, am I rebelling? Absolutely not. Chazal told me to. So since cooking for him is not considered a rebellion... It's mutter, says the Ra'al, you should make a bracha. This is unbelievable. So according to the Ra'al, we found now a source for this concept being expressed in, in the, the Nesiv Samishpah, the Meshach Hachma. That the whole concept of an Isuri de Rabban is not listening to Chazal. But when I'm listening to Chazal, because Chazal said a sick person should eat, right? Whether it be a Chalash Yesh Besakana, Chalash Besakana, but a sick person should eat. So there, even though it's not Peshugig, it's Bemezid, the fundamental underlying principle is the same. That here, very good is b'mezid, but I'm not, not, I'm not rebelling. I'm listening to Chazal. And since I'm listening to Chazal, that still warrants a bracha. So we have a fundamental achlikis, according to how we're saying, in what's the nature of Yisuri de Rabbanan. In the world of the Rambam, every Yisuri de Rabbanan becomes an Yisuri de Raisa, like we saw in the Sefer HaMitzvah and the Elchaz Mamrin. And the, 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 the Torah gave Chazal the ability to create no Yisuri Daraisa, and everything Chazal said it becomes with the, dealt with the severity of a Din Daraisa. Whereas when it comes to Yisuri, when it comes to the, the, the Ra'ah, the prohibition of Yisuri Darabonan is rebellion, not listening to Chazal. 
But Avada, if you're listening to Chazal, there's no problem. Or if you didn't rebel because you didn't know, there's not a problem. And the Nafkamina is the, the, the halacha, the Nasivas. Is the Nasivas true, the Dina or not? That's very Gishmak, it's very fundamental. This is something you have to keep in pocket for the rest of your interaction with Talmud Bavli. So now that we went ahead and we learned that tangential point to Shtikla in the Mishnah, let's start the Gemara. The Gemara is, Manani Mili, how do we know this? Amir the Asi, because the Asi said the Amar Kro, it says in the Pasuk, Gadlu the Shemiti, that we should glorify God with me and the Rebbe Mishmiyachtav, and we'll elevate his name together. Rabbi Avohu Amar Mihacha, Rabbi Avohu said from a different Pasuk we can source it. Kishem Hashem Ekro, because I will call out God's name, and you should bring greatness to our God. Right? So two different psukim. What's the nature of the psukim? Good. Why do we source it from there? Good. Well, we're going to address all of this. Amr al-Khanan Ba'aba. So Khanan Ba'aba said, How do we know that a person who's answering Amin shouldn't lift his voice up louder than the person making the bracha? Because it says in the Apostle, so why did the Gemara bring this 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 statement, this Mimra, from Rav Chanan Bar Abba? So the, 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 the reason is, the basic understanding is because it's bringing the same Pasuk, it's a drasha on the Pasuk of Gadu Dashamiti. So we have another drasha on Gadu Dashamiti, we brought it. It's coming in light of the drasha of Ravasi, the source of Ravasi. So now that we talked about the din of not being one amen, louder than the person who was mavarich. We have another din as well of not lifting and elevating your voice. Amr of Shimon ben Pazi, Shimon ben Pazi says, How do I know they used to have a minog that they would read Kriyasa Torah, and after each pasuk they would read the Chumash once in the Lashon Hakodesh, and then they would have a matargim, they would have a translator that would say the translation in Aramaic. So how do we know that the person who's translating is not permitted to elevate his voice to be a higher decibel level than the person who's reading the Chumash itself? Shene'emar, because it says in the Pasuk, Meishi Yadaber, Meishi will speak, and God will answer with his voice. Because it didn't have to say Bekol at all. It could have said Nenu. Why does it say Bekol? What's the additional word? It's seemingly superfluous. It's teaching you that it has to be the same call, the same decibel level as Moshe. Tani Namihachi was taught similarly in the Braisa. A person who's translating can't have his voice be more loud than the person who's reading the Chumash itself. Then, and if it's impossible, for the Matargim to lift his voice to the same decibel level as the person reading, meaning to say he can only do it softer, he can't do it louder, then the person reading has to read at a lower decibel level. So it's not just Pshat that he has to read it, he can't, that the Matargim can't say it louder, but the Matargim has to say it even to the same decibel level, even lower. And therefore, if he's not able to, then the Balkaira has to actually lower his voice so it will be the same decibel level as the Matargim. That's the basic reading of the Gemara. There's quite a few questions here we have to deal with. So let's focus on the original Gemara of the Gemara. The Gemara asks Manhani Mili. What's that question? What's that question? So the basic understanding would have been Manhani Mili, there's a concept called Zimun. Right? Manhani Mili, how do you know there's a concept called Zimun? Rashi doesn't learn like that. Rashi learns, How do we know that three comprise, three are fitting for a bracha of tziruf, a communal bracha? How do we know three? How do we know three? According to Rashi, that's the question. The question is not, how do we know the concept of zimun? That's a different question. Our question is, how do we know that three are what constitute a group, a chabura? That can make a zimun. That's to, that's Rashi's the question according to Rashi. To that we have two takes. Amir of Asi, Damir Kral Gadu Dashamiti, and Ramashim Yachtov. Gadu Dashamiti, the second pasuk. Kishem Hashem Ekra Habu Gadu Lokeno. So how do we see three in both of these pasukim? 
How do we see three? If that's the question, it has to be that we're giving an answer. So, the Chorah, Gadlu Lashemiti, that Gadlu, you, you is plural, the smallest plural is two. You elevate Hashem Iti with me. So, two and one is three. That seems to be Trant the Pasuk. Whereas Rebbe Vahu will say the same thing. Kishim Hashem Ekro, I will call out God's name. And Havu, in the plural, bring greatness, Havu Goydel, bring greatness, Elokeinu, to our God. So it's one person speaking to two, either two people being told to join with him, or I'm, I, the individual, um, calling out to God, and you, the plural, the smallest plural being two, bring greatness to Hashem. So now, that's how we'd see three. Another question, though, very good, we're trying to prove three. And we're trying to prove three with these two psukim, two v one. Good. The first pasuk that we bring is a gadol Shemiti, is a pasuk in Tehillim. The second pasuk is a pasuk in Pasha Zinu in Chumash. Now, Avada, it's better if we're trying to source an idea. It's better to source an idea in Chumash than in Tehillim. So, why did the Gemara initially propose to bring a pasuk from Tehillim as opposed to a pasuk in Chumash? So, it seems to me that the pasuk in Tehillim more ex- explicitly is talking about doing something as a group, as a community. The Pasuk in Tehillim says, that we're doing it together. You do, you too are doing something with me. Whereas when it comes to the Pasuk in Hazinu, it says, Kishem Hashem Ekro, I'm calling out to God's name, when you bring greatness to it. It sounds like they might be doing two disparate things. So even though it's from the Chumash, the Pasuk in Tehillim is more explicit in that it's talking about all three of them making a Bichas Siruf, as opposed to the Pasuk in Chumash, which sounds like it's more talking about two people doing one thing and one person doing something different. Now, we have to know, how did Rashi know that this is a question of Nahani Mile? I mean, a basic svar would be that the question of Nahani Mile is going, how do we know there's something called a Zimun? How do we know there's something called a Zimun? So we bring Psukim, Shem Hashem Ekro, Havagod Elokeinu, Kadud Hashemiti. comes along Rashi and says, how do we know that three comprise an, a, a group which is able to make a Bich Where is Rashi coming from? So the Gemara, the Gemara Memches, Amad Beis is talking about the different dinim of Birkas Amazon. How do we know Birkas Amazon's Minatayra? The Gemara says, Tanu Rabbanu Minayin the Birkas Amazon Minatayra Shneim Evachalta V'Savalta V'Lachto. Right? It says that you should eat, you should be saying Shein Yemishenik Blessing. Zu Birkas Hazon. So it says the Gemara something so interesting. All of this, V'Yachalta V'Savalta, what's the Uveirachto? The Uveirachto is Birkas Hazon. As Hashem Aleikecha, so what's Hashem Lekecha? Why does it continue? Zubirkos Hazimun. So according to the Gemara here, and the Mechesim it sounds like the Makar for Birkos Hazimun we know already. It's coming from a drasha. It says, V'yachalta v'savata v'elachta Es Hashem Lekecha. What's Es Hashem Lekecha? What's it coming to add besides the bracha itself? It's coming to add the Zimun. And therefore the source for Zimun is from Es Hashem Lekecha. So maybe... Rashi would say, that the, what, what, what are we coming to source? What's the Gemara asking in Hanimile? We know the source for Birkas Azimans from Esashem Lekecha. So in Hanimile has to be something, asking something else. So what's it asking? It's asking three. Three. Which we would ask, what's that mean? Oh, there's a significance to three. What are, we, what are, you, what are you trying to source here? That three make a Birkas Siruf. The concept of Ziman we know. Ziman is a Birkas Siruf. So this, this is going to be a difficulty here that we have to try to work out with us, Rashi. But seemingly, the reason why he's not learning that we're sourcing Zimun is because of this Gemara. So I brought for you here Pnei Yeshua, and the Pnei Yeshua, Mamash says this word. The Pnei Yeshua says, the Devada, we're not coming to ask, what's the Ikah Zimun? The Ikah Zimun we know already. That's the Brais of Memches, it's Hashem Lekecha. And furthermore, claims the Pnei Yeshua, if that's not enough, what are you trying to source here? Trying to source Zimun. Look at the Pesukah that I brought, Gadud Hashemiti. Where do we see Zimun? It could be that we explain that we prefer Gadol Hashem Iti because it says that it's Iti, that they're doing it together. But, but where do you see that we're discussing Birkas Amazon? Had we talked about something called Zimun? It's not explicit in the Pasuk. So claims the Pnei Yeshua, the only thing that's explicit in the Pasuk is the fact that it's three. Aye, the fact that it's three? Very good. That's explicit in the Pasuk. That's something we want. Mimela, that's how Rashi came to his understanding. That's the Pnei Yeshua's take. So the, I'm brought here a Nitziv, and the Nitziv wants to claim as follows. The Nitziv wants to say different Pshat than the Pshat. The Nitziv says that Avada 
we can't be sourcing the concept of Zimun because that's already a Braisa. So what must we be doing? Rather, it must be doing that we're coming to teach you that there's a concept called Zimun. Now, says the Nitziv, that Zimun doesn't mean that someone says, That's not Zimun. Rather, what's Zimun? The Zimun, the Ikumitz Zimun is that one person makes a bracha and everyone discharges their obligation of Birkas HaMazan through the bracha of the, of the Mavarech. So first of all, before we even get further into this, this is so gishmak. This means we have an Nitziv that's writing explicitly that the Yisid of Zimun is that one person makes a bracha and everyone else is the say That's what a Zimun is. Like we've been talking about with us Rashi and the Gro and the Rambam and kill everyone. So add, add this to the Mari Makaymas, add this to the list, the Rashima, the Nisiv also. That's, that's what it's coming to teach us. Now, how is it teaching us that? So there, in Rashi, if that's Pshat and Rashi, so that's what it means, that three are right, the Bechasiruf. Three are right, the Bechasiruf, that we're making a Bechasiruf. Not only really that three is right to make a Bechasiruf. How do we know? Gadu Lashemiti. Now, now, good. You see this three, and it's a Gadu Lashemiti, and somehow the Gadu makes that what? That means a Bracha. Or the other way, the Kriya is a bracha, and we're all doing it together. It could be. It could be. I want to offer up a third shot and borrow from each one, meaning to say as follows. Up until now, what are we tining? We're tining that Avadazimun, as like the Nitziv said, that one person makes a bracha, and two people, and two people are Yitzi, the Chi of Birkas through his bracha. But what's the principle? What's the underlying principle in that? The underlying principle in that is that we establish something called a chaburu. There's a shloisha sha'ochu ka'achas. And now that we have a shloisha sha'ochu ka'achas and we had something called an achilas chaburu that fodders, that demands a different type of bracha achreina, demands a bracha achreina of a tzibur. It needs a, a, a communal bracha achreina. And what is that? That's called a zimun. So yes, the gemara. Menani mili that shleisha can create a chabura for shvach lehidor. It creates a community. It creates something done as a tzibur. Where do we have that? There we bring two psukim. Gadu dashamiti kishem hashem ekro. That there's something called a tzibur because tzibur by three. That's what the, the Gemara is looking for. And that's that's super geshmak because now what's the din of the mission? The din of the mission is shleish shochlikachas chayiv in the zamin. So you could have thought that the whole shleish shochlikachas is just a hechitimtza. There's no din in the shleish shochlikachas. Just that's the parameter, the prerequisite for the chayiv in the zamin. And if that's the case, then the Gemara's question has to ask. So what's uh, what's Menahani milei, so that what's, what's the zimun? What's the source for zimun? But if there's a din separate, there's a din in the shleish shochlikachas. So in Nevada, the, the first thing that the Gemara is going to address is what's that din of Shalisha Shalachil Ka'achas? What's Nechila Ka'achas? What's a Chabur of Eichlin? That their Achila, that type of Achila demands a different type of Bracha Achreino? There we have to source it. So not only is it Gishmak in learning Pshat Rashi and the Menani Milei, but it's also so Gishmak that that's the discussion of the Gemara itself. Why is the Gemara addressing jumping to a Menani Milei in, in the Shalisha? Jump to Manimili in the Zimun. The answer is no, because there's a prerequisite to Zimun. There's a prerequisite called the Nechilaka Achas. And how do I know there's a Chalburo that, that warrants a communal bracha? I think that's very, very Geshmak and Pshat in the Gemara itself. As well as another tremendous proof to the principle that we've been saying up until now, and the piece from Rechaim Shul. So now, let's look further in the Gemara. The Gemara gets into a few tangential topics. Let's talk about this din of Rishim and Pazi. How do we know that the Matargim can't lift up his voice to be a higher decibel level than the person who's reading? So the source is an interesting source. The source is, Meshi Moshe will speak, and God will answer him with a The God will answer him. So the question is, who's here the Kura? And who is the Matargim? The way that the Gemara is presenting it, it sounds like Moshe is the Kura, Moshe Adaber, the Elokimian in a Bakol, and God will answer with a call. It sounds very funny, right? What's the, what happened? What happened was Hashem told Moshe Ahalacha, 
And then Moshe told it to Klai Yisrael. So how could it be then that Moshe adopted with the community of Nicole that it sounds like Hashem's the translator, Moshe was the translator? So Tesis is bothered. Tesis is like the Kasha, the Divra Maskal, the Kailai, Vim Tomer. And if you're going to say, Hey, he might see Rami Mesha, how are you going to bring a proof of Mesha? We have to say from Mesha that he was the translator. And Moshe wouldn't lift his voice higher than the voice of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, that Hashem would call out to him. And it's brought that a Kodesh Baruch Hu was Kodesh and Mesha may have targim. So what's the, what's the pshat? So Rav Ilfas explained as follows. What do you mean Bekodesh Moshe? So he says, We can assume that Mesha was answering, he was calling out to Klai with all of his strength. He had to talk to, you know, 3 million people, 600,000 men between 20 to 60, right? 3 million people. So Mesha was talking to Klai so that everyone could hear. But a Kodesh Baruch Hu didn't have to lay, raise his voice. Why not? Because he was only speaking to Mesha. To speak to one individual, you don't have to have your voice so loud. To speak to three million people, you might have to scream. So therefore, But nonetheless, Hashem spoke tremendously loud. Is that when Mesha called out to the rest of the nation... His voice wouldn't be louder than Hashem's voice, who only had to speak to Mesha. So that's the source. The source is that how do we know that the voice of the translator shouldn't be louder than the voice of the Kure? Because Hashem, who was the Kure, raised his voice to the same decibel level that Mesha Rabbeinu had to speak to three million people, even though he's only speaking to an individual, so that Mesha's voice wouldn't be louder than Hashem's voice. Why couldn't Mesha's voice be louder than Hashem's voice? It must be that the Metargim's voice can be louder than that of the Kure. That's going to be the Makar, according to Tesfis. So, very good, you know, that's true in the time when they had a, a Matargim. But nowadays, you don't have a Matargim, you come to Shul, you have Kriya Satara, so they just read straight. There's no Matargim, there's one Bokhari, so is this halacha relevant whatsoever? So, I brought for you a Mishnah Bura, the Mishnah Bura, in Simen Kav Choftal, it's in Mem Zayin, brings the din of Layag Biakhali, and his sources are Gemara, Mishim Dechsiv Gadu, the Shemiti, and Mishim Yachtov. Says the Mishaburu Misvaro, Venire, Dehu Hadin, it seems like it would be the same exact Talachal in Barchu of Birkas Hazimun. When we say Barchu, Barchu is Hashem Avoruch, Baruch Hashem Avoruch, Yudam Vod, right? That din, the Ania, the answering, or Birkas Hazimun, or if you're answering Hazimun, Gamkin Noyak Biahaluni Yesame Alvarech. The person who's answering the Divrei Hamavarech shouldn't answer his voice louder. It's not just a din regarding. Rishim ben Pazi's din isn't limited to the din of, of, of Kriya Sator and Targum. It's a din in Aniyah. Whenever you're answering something, you shouldn't lift your voice higher. But there's a caveat that if you're saying Amen loudly in order so that other people hear that you're saying Amen, and by virtue of the fact that you're saying it louder, more people answer, then it seems like it's Mutter. So it seems like it's only a problem when the, the, the Aniyah, the answering, is more uh, is more powerful than the mevarich be'etzem, but if the extra gusto is only coming as a as a but not because it's a din be'etzem that you're trying to answer with more effort, then that's not a problem. That's the din of the Mishnah Berurah. But we see here a manifestation of our Gemara halach lemaisa, lemaisa the Shulchan Aruch in Hilchos Kriyas Atayra and Simkaf Mehei brings this din. He says bezmanam when they had a targum. And he brings both ways. He brings that the, the Metargim is not able to say louder than the Kura, but the Kura also can't read louder than the Metargim. So he brings both dinim that are brought in, in our Gemara. That's what I have to say up until now in the Pshat in the Gemara itself. There's a Prima Gadim here I brought you. The Prima Gadim is an interesting Prima Gadim. You know, whether, where we source this concept of Zimun from is maybe has halachic ramifications. The Prima Gadim says as follows. He says, So first of all, the Prima Gadam comes out making a statement. How do we know there's a concept of Zimun? Now, as his third source, he quotes the price on Nefemim Ches. 
So that means to say that the, the Prima Godim is assuming that the question of Menhani Milei is how do we source Birkas Aziman? And he has three options. Gadud Hashem ki Shem and Shem Ekro or Es Hashem Lekechatiro. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's a slip of the tongue. But he has three sources. Those three sources, so, first of all, he had like not like us in Rashi. Rashi was very clear. He was asking in Davka Shleisha, right? That's what we saw in the Pnei Yeshua. And the, the reason is obvious, because the Gemara Memches tells us the source. So first of all, the Prima Gadam goes not like that. Now, says the Prima Gadam, an implication for sure of the Pasuk, the fact that we bring Gadu first, bringing a Pasuk into him implies that they didn't the Durabanan. Very good, we brought a Duraisa afterwards. But if we're willing to bring a Durabanan, Duraisa, we'll cut the gate together. The implication is that the whole thing is only a Durabanan and the Pasuk Gemara Smachta. Aval, Belavuj, Simen Kuftaritess, Bahago, Androgynous, Chaim, Zamin, Bemino, the Safik, Terri, Luchumra. The Din. The Lavush brings that Yachayev and the Druk is Yachayev to make a Zimun because it's a Safik Daraisa Lachumra, management that the Din Zimun is a Din Daraisa. So now, that means that we have a Machlekes here between the Pashtas, the Prima Gaudim, and the Lavush, whether or not the Din Zimun is a Din Daraisa, Din Darabanan. This you're going to have to keep in mind. And now he brings a third opinion. Rebel Yarabba wrote in the name of the Kiriya Sefer, the Kiriya Sefer is a commentary in the Rambam and the Mishnah Torah. He says that He makes a third option. The Rabba brings, it depends. If you have a Zimun constituted of three individuals, so that type of Zimun is a Zimun midirabonan. And between three to nine is Dirabonan. Ten or more, once you have a minion of people, that somehow becomes Deraisa. So if now, this is good information, the Primagonim's based off of our sources brought in this Gemara, I was proposing three different options when the Zim is Deraisa Dirabonan. According to the Primagodim, it's Dirabonan. According to the Levush, it's Deraisa. And according to the Eli Rabba, between three to nine is Dirabonan. But ten or more, the concept of Zim becomes a dinner. Pick up from the Gemara, um, from Itmar, Shnaim Sha'achu, next week. Bisiyat Adeshmaya.